Matthew 2, 1 to 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. When Herod, then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Thank you, Jan, for the reading of God's Word. I wonder, as you head out to the shops over this Christmas period, what's your greatest fear in buying gifts? Is it in forgetting someone, knowing you've got a list and you know, you've checked it twice, but there was some name that you uh, somehow missed somewhere along the way? Is it picking the wrong gift for the wrong person, maybe getting their size wrong? That can be a costly error, can't it? Um, I'm glad I asked Alison what it was that she wanted for Christmas uh, because while in the past I think I've got it pretty right, I've bought her perfume, I discovered that if I tried to do it the same way again that I would get it wrong because the perfume I bought her last year uh, topped up the perfume that I bought her the year before and if I bought perfume again this year it would have just meant another perfume bottle on the shelf. So sometimes relying on what is, has been right in the past can still lead us into error. Sometimes it's the same with the Christmas story. We're familiar enough with it, and many times we've got it right, but sometimes that familiarity with it, even that can lead us into getting it wrong. Um, I've, over the last few Sundays, had a, a different nativity scene on the screen each week. I don't know if you've noticed they're ones that I've taken photos of as I've been visiting people's homes. So careful if you invite me around for a cup of tea, I might get my camera out. Uh, this one today is a second one from Brendan and Leaf's house. They had one very Thai-looking nativity scene and this one's a very Indian-looking nativity scene. You kind of get to know what people love as you uh, look around their houses. But uh, you may have noticed, as I have, that in many nativity scenes you've got 
baby Jesus. You've got Mary and Joseph. You've got the shepherds. And there in the scene also you've got the wise men uh, coming and worshipping Jesus in the stable. We read in Matthew 2 that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, wise men came from the east. If you read the, the rest of the chapter, you'll discover that that could have been almost up to two years after the birth of Jesus. Uh, they didn't visit him in the stable. They visited him in the house. And what Herod goes on to do, he determines his own time frame by and, and says, well, you know, Jesus must have been somewhere between birth and, and two. So sometimes while the nativity scenes try and do justice to the whole story, as I will do today, talking about the wise men appearing after the birth, even before we get to the story of Christmas in a few days' time, um, we can be confused in some of the details, like how many wise men there were. If I asked you, you would probably all come up with the same answer. Three. Why? Because there were three gifts. We know there's three gifts, but we don't actually know how many wise men there were. Matthew again just says that wise men came from the east. Um, inconsequential uh, matters, maybe they are. Uh, a little bit like getting Christmas carols wrong. Ever heard of someone singing while shepherds washed their socks by night rather than watched their flocks by night? I heard Norm mentioning one this morning as they were practicing. Hark, Harold, the angels sang. Um, maybe you've heard kids get carols wrong in other ways. Um, some of those words are a li little bit foreign to us, except for when we sing them at Christmas, and so changing one word for another comes fairly easily. But it's important when it comes to the Christmas story that we do get it right. Just like buying those gifts for someone that we love, it's not good enough just to rely on what's worked in the past or what everyone else is doing. We need to actually examine what we are doing and why we are doing it. And I think the wise men got it right. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews, they say in verse 2. For we saw the star when it rose and we have come to worship him. Not we've come to work out what the, you know, has caused this interstellar kind of cosmic anomaly. But we have come that we would search for a king, that we would worship him. Two weeks ago, we talked about the testimony of the shepherds. And I think it's interesting that Luke has chosen the testimony of the shepherds because he wants to, to speak about this humble servant king who has come to the earth. Matthew, he chooses the testimony of the Magi or the wise men to, to tell to his readers because he wants his readers to understand that this is the king who has been promised. He is the Messiah, the Son of God. And if you read through the first few chapters of, of Matthew, you'll hear that again and again, that this is what God has done for us, sending us his Son, who is himself God. The shepherds worshipped him as the shepherd king, one who came in humility to lead us as a humble king would. Here we see a king that has been promised to the nation of Israel who is worshipped by those who are foreigners from the land. They're learned men. They've probably read the scrolls of Daniel that, that are preserved in the, ar the archives of, of Babylon 
They probably knew that there was a, a king who had been long awaited and the timing of his arrival. But they'd also studied many arts, including astronomy. They recognised when this new king was born that he wasn't just a humble king who was born, but he was one sent by God, heralded by the heavens themselves, as foretold by Daniel the prophet. And so their response is also fitting. We come as foreigners to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It can be a struggle to get Christmas right. In, Charlie, in a Charlie Brown Christmas, in the wintry reserve of a North American winter, Charlie Brown, the bald, moon-faced loser, says, I think there must be something wrong with me, Linus. Christmas is coming, but I'm not happy. Charlie Brown keeps talking about how sad he is for the, the rest of the episode, spending most of his Christmas spotlighting and attacking, attacking the ways that commercialism has crept into this very special holiday. Things like Snoopy entering his doghouse into a Christmas decorating contest for a cash prize, Lucy complaining that all she ever gets at Christmas are stupid toys, clothes and a bicycle, but what she really wants is real estate. Or Sally writing to Santa that if the gifts are too much trouble, make it easy on yourself by just sending money this year. When Charlie Brown challenges this, she explains in her absolute innocence, all I want is what's coming to me. All I want is my fair share. It's one of the ways that we get Christmas wrong, thinking that it's all about us and what we deserve and what should be coming to us. What are your expectations this Christmas? Is it that God will fulfill that plea for happiness? That you will get that present that you're really hoping for? That rather than presents, you'll just get money or maybe real estate? Are these the things that really God wants for you to be focusing on this Christmas? Herod, we read, was troubled. Probably a little bit differently to why Charlie Brown was troubled. But so it reads, Herod the king heard this, the testimony of the, the wise men, and was troubled with all Jerusalem with him. Very different to the account of Luke's gospel. Assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of, uh, of the people, he inquired of them, where is the Christ to be born? They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so is written by the prophet and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. And so we spent some time a few weeks ago looking at this shepherd king. I told you the story about someone I've met recently, a new friend of mine in northern Thailand named Del. Do you remember her? She was a missionary in China who... Uh, who had her visa cancelled and she asked God you know one more time can I just see that mountain on the landscape before I have to leave this country that I love and on that final day there was no mountain to be seen and she just heard God say to her plea at that point it's not because I can't it's because I choose not to and we considered what it means to be led by a shepherd king who has the power 
to do anything in creation, but who allows us in our own lives sometimes to face those circumstances that are difficult. Well, Dell, leading up to Christmas, writes these things in her prayer letter. She says, I've found a house owned by a Chinese professor. While, yet, while I'm yet to sign a contract, uh, as she's been taken to Bangkok for surgery, pray that she will be able to uh, be healed and, and returned. I was able to pray with her before she left. Now, she says, um, about other friends, a Chinese lady brought her niece to church last month and I got to meet her. Her name is Yi Ting. She got here two months ago and studies at university here. It was her first time to go to church and I got to hang out with her the next day. I didn't plan to share the gospel with her, but God opened the opportunity when she asked me a question that goes something like this. What are the things that Christians shouldn't do? This opened the door for me to share with her. I think she's very open and she said she will read the Bible. I got to sit with her in church the next Sunday and translated for her in Chinese. Her English nor Thai is enough to understand the sermon, which is, was evangelistic as well. How awesome that God orchestrated that. A few days later, I, got, I invited her to join our Christmas caroling in our church neighborhood. It was the first time for her to do this as well, and she enjoyed it. Please pray that God will soften her heart. And then she goes on to say, We had close to 500 people attend our Christmas celebrations at Barnadatan Church on December 14. Yi Ting brought her six friends, and three of them, all Chinese, won the English scholarship raffle at our school GLA, uh, Grace Language School sponsored, which certainly is no coincidence. How awesome can it get? I'm praying that Yi Ting can also join a class as this will further boost my relationship with her. I'll start teaching them after the Christmas break, but I'm praying to do some more fun Christmas activities with them, Lord willing. As she is being shepherded by God who knows the path that he has for her. She's seeing how God is graciously bringing people into her life, people she knows the language of, people that she loves the culture of, people who she knows God loves and is seeking to lead them in the testimony of, of Christ and the knowledge of, of Jesus. Don't forget God wants to be your shepherd. He is carefully protecting, guiding and providing for you. But Herod wasn't looking for a shepherd or a king that he could worship. That's why he was troubled. In verse 7 we read that Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go search diligently for this child and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. You know, like Herod, we can be false in our desire to worship God. Herod had no desire to worship him. He was threatened. He was a guy who murdered his own brother, murdered his own sons. Anyone who would threaten his reign as king. And so he tried to do with Jesus too. Not that he'd risen to power, but just that people had come to worship him. It troubled him. It threatened him. And sometimes the things that trouble us and threaten us, sometimes our fears, our worries, our expectations, can lead us to a false worship of God. Christmas itself can just become a commercial venture where we're looking for those things that we can get that will bring us happiness. We can see God right through the year as that kind of a God 
who simply exists for our pleasure. There's things I want, there's things I need, and if I get them, I'll be happy and I'll experience the joy of Christmas. But it's not in the seeking of those wants and desires that leads us to a true worship of him. We have to pursue him out of pure hearts, not silence him because of the things he wants to do in our lives. So what does it mean to worship Jesus as God's given king? The wise men listened to the king and went on their way. The star that they had seen went before them and it stopped and rested over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding joy. They, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Opening their treasures there before him, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. Now these gifts, I think, are significant. Certainly significance has been placed on them. Gold for a king, frankincense for a priest, myrrh for one who would be buried. We see in these gifts a, a wonderful tale of the life that Jesus would live. Heralded as king, serving us as priests, bringing peace between God and humanity and doing so through the sacrifice of his own life. We do the Christmas story injustice if not to think about where this life led. Jesus came not just to be a humble baby, but he came to be a humble, suffering servant, giving his life for us on the cross. It was our sin that placed him there. It was our sin that brought him here. It was our sin that God witness from the creation of the world and had a plan to restore that we might come into relationship with each other and with him but these gifts whatever their significance were costly gold frankincense and myrrh they were probably what helped to finance this young uh, troubled family to to flee to egypt when their son's life was in danger by the king what is it like to serve Jesus as king? Well, the wise men say you give to him what is costly. You give to him those things that honour him. You know, the gifts that we give to each other often reflect the sort of relationship that we have. People at work, you might give chocolates. People in your extended family, you might give socks and undies. I don't know. The closer you get to the people that you love, for me anyway, the more expensive the gift is that I want to give. I want to show those who I value the most that I value them the most. The gifts I purchase for them are costly. Now, I'm not saying you need to spend a lot of money at Christmas time to show those people that you love that you really love them. Don't get me wrong. But those people that you love will know your love by how you spend time with them, by the things that you do with them, by the words that you express, the card that you write, your desire to be with them and to honour them. If you were to look at those things that you offer Jesus 
at Christmas and throughout the year? What would they say of your relationship with him? Is he to you something of a stranger? Or is he to you someone who has given absolutely everything for you in order that you might live in relationship with him? In order to get our worship of Jesus right this year, consider what it is that you are giving to this king. And consider also what a wonderful thing it is to serve Jesus as king. As Dell describes, it's not the things that she feels that God has taken away from her that give her her greatest joy. It's the pleasure of serving him. I'm not in the place I wanted to be. I'm not necessarily with the people I wanted to be. But here I am and as I look out, I see that God has a plan for me in this place. And it's in bringing a blessing to others. As we honour Jesus as King, we see his rule enacted through our life. We see God working through us in the lives of others. So while it may be costly to say, I follow him and him alone, the rewards begin to be seen in the lives of those around us. While Jesus as King demands a high price in terms of our gifts, imagine being in the family of a king. And entering into those Christmas celebrations as the king arrives and and starts to unpack the van full of gifts to put under the tree, you'd kind of be thinking, I'm going to get more than undies and socks this year, wouldn't you? When Jesus comes into our lives, he comes as a king wanting to give us the abundance of God and the glories of heaven. But sometimes we expect from him only undies and socks. The king gives the most extravagant of gifts. The Christmas story is to be understood through the giving of Jesus' life. Born as a son, raised as a king, crucified as a criminal, but then glorified as God. We read that the wise men were warned in a dream not to return to Herod. Instead, they went a different way to their home. I want you to take this morning as a, as a warning if your worship has been wrong. To go a different way. Don't continue to just seek the commercialism of Christmas or to worship God in the ways that suit you. Worship God for who he is in the ways that he requires. Examine your life against the meaning of Christmas. And go the way that God has planned for you. We know that the Magi, as they went their way, just as the shepherds went theirs, that God used them to bring the blessing of the message of Christmas to those that they went and met with. For the shepherds, it was to their own people. To the, for the Magi, the message that says this birth of a, a king in Israel is a gift to each one of us. So each one of us is able to receive the gift of his son and to tell others. God has determined that he would bring his glory to the ends of the earth. That's a personal message to us. And it's a wonderful message that says he continues to give through us. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this special time of year where songs are sung and gifts are given and we enter it with great expectation. 
Lord, I pray that you would fill our hearts with expectation for what you want to do in our lives this season and this year ahead. Lord, we want to give ourselves wholeheartedly to you, to honour you in the way that you deserve. And Lord, we want you to be honoured through us. Give us the stories that we might tell. Give us the testimonies of what God has given through his Son, that others too will hear and believe and see this Christ who gives his life for us. Bring the greatest blessing of Christmas this year, we pray, through the blessing of your message. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Our final song is exactly that invitation.